I'm here. Yeah. Oh. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another Black Women's Hour. How's everyone doing? Aisha, my trusty sidekick, how's it all going? Uh, it's going well. Thank you very much. I am, um, I want to say looking forward to Christmas, but I'm in that weird place where I feel like I've got so much to do that I can't look forward to it until it's like nine o'clock on Christmas morning, that kind of feeling. But yeah, on the, on the, on the right route. Glad it's nearly school holidays. Excellent. When is school holidays? I don't even know. Uh, Row finishes on Friday. Uh, tomorrow. All right. Uh, That's early. Yeah. Mm. Or maybe he doesn't. Maybe I've just got it wrong. But I'm stopping him going to school. No, no, no. You, no regardless of what the rest of the country does. No, no, <laughs> no you're probably right. Because, yeah, you're probably right. What have you been up to, Louise? How's it going? Oh, oh, God. Very, very busy. Very, very, very busy week. Because, you know, like I'm just wrapping up and... I've finished my old role. I'm starting my new one. So that's been quite busy. Um, what else? Been to the gym, overslept one day, this two, maybe three days this week. Um, Starbucks was shut. Yeah, it's all good. This. When we go to Starbucks, it's shut. Elaine, how was your week? <laughs> my week has been good. Um, I finally did something that I haven't done. I put some time off work. And basically, next week, Tuesday is my last day. I'm not back in till like sometime in January. And <laughs> it felt so nice just to submit the, the, light, the time off. And I'm planning to watch TV, sleep. Are any of us scared of the new, uh, the new strain of, Covid, um, American, what's it called? A micron. A micron. Um, I think it's just in. I had an, I set to basically with my daughter's school today, where not just today, not today, actually this week, where I took my daughter to school in her mask, and I noticed when my daughter went into class, they told her to take it off. My daughter's five, and I was like, "Why have you told my daughter to take the mask off?" They went, "Oh, it's only a guideline." Um, they say that 11 year olds are to wear it, but um, they, they don't say that um, anyone under 11 is to wear it. I said, they don't say they're not. Anyway, the next day I went in, they barred my daughter from coming to school with a mask on. So we had to sit outside till the headmaster came and I just was like, listen, at the end of the day, if she wants to wear it, she's probably gonna take it off anyway. But if she wants to take it, wear it, how am I going to be arguing with her saying you've got to wash your hands, socially distant, sanitize your hands, but yeah, take off your mask when you go into a crowded school, a crowded class. Like I said, please, what right do you have to bar my daughter from school and sit us outside so she's missed 20 minutes of her class? She didn't, you could have let her sit in with a mask. It's not even as though masks were mandatory and she didn't have one on. So you could say, well, we won't let her in. You wouldn't let my child into school with a mask on. Are you guys okay? Like, please don't don't do things like that. Honestly, I was so annoyed. It's it's ridiculous at this point. It's just so much like people don't know what the rules are, and people are not exercising common sense. You know mm. what I mean? I just can't. I can't. I mean, I think there is there was right from the whole the start of this thing, the messaging has been mixed. Um, and like you know, right from so many levels, because I mean, I remember when Manuman was here. And, you know, like he, I don't think it was, I don't want to say it wasn't taken seriously, but I think people didn't sort of 
consider the the rami the potential ramifications because I think with COVID, like you know, it's one of those ones that like you it, it's almost like trying to catch water because you can't catch it. But I think what you what should have happened is that you know people should have worked with the knowledge that we do have. And I think if you if somebody's saying one thing and then another person saying another, and then you're being left to kind of like you know, I don't want to say make your own rules, but I don't, um, you know, just 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 act according to what you think. Like, you know, your little daughter has gone into a classroom, okay? She's gone into a classroom and like, you know, she's the only person wearing a mask. They say, oh, like, you know, 11, 11 year old. I think anybody can catch COVID. I mean, you know, like if they didn't think that, they wouldn't it's be talking about, yeah, and they wouldn't okay. potentially be talking about like, you know, vaccinating kids under the age of 10. So like, you know, it's a risk to everybody, but I think this mixed, the mixed guidelines and the mixed messages just hasn't really helped. And, you know, and trying to use little kids as super spreaders. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Don't tell me that kid can't wear. She goes, well, the problem is we might end up with 90 kids in masks. And I went, and so how's that a problem? How that is a problem. You can't, she can't even explain to me how it's a problem because you don't know because it's not a problem. You're talking absolute nonsense. Aisha, what about oh, your kids? Can get COVID. My son has had COVID. 10 yeah. out of 30 of the children in his class had COVID. So why not have 90 kids in masks rather than 90 kids with COVID? I mean, which doesn't, they're literally saying words they don't understand or the words they do understand or they don't care about because that is utter utter nonsense ever I mean you know the fact that they know kids get COVID I, I, I didn't why would you even waste your breath saying that it's mm. the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen You're so, was it the teacher or the head, head the head because I guess that's the, the head was not having it he came along I went yeah me again he started laughing I went it's not the first time I've had to sit out here and wait for you because I've just said look just go and get the headmaster don't bother me with this she goes well we have to speak to I said do that just stop speaking to me at this point wait for the headmaster to come because he's sensible and then he was like what the hell I said she's gonna take it off anyway knowing her but you can't tell her she's not allowed to wear a mask that's ridiculous mm -hmm. so what is uh, the current guidelines just quickly and I mean is it going to affect anybody's Christmas because we've got so much to get through today and I'm conscious of the time because I mean Louise has to go to wait Rose I'm, I'm sorry. Wow. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm I mean, going to Aldi and Lidl, but Louise is going to Waitrose. So yeah, it's uh, the nearest one, and I know there's not rats in there anyway. Is COVID going to affect any of your plans this year for Christmas, Louise? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm very cautious because, uh, I mean, I was saying that I've, I've finished work tomorrow. And my plan is, it's just like, I want to have a few days before I go home because otherwise, like if I'm like this, I'll punch somebody and I don't want to do that. Anyway, I so my, I think I will, I'm just gonna be very, very mindful of what they say. You know, I'm just gonna mindful, be mindful, but, but also try not to kind of like mix with too many people because I'm going to be seeing my parents. My dad is 89, my mum is 76. Do you know what I mean? And they're vulnerable. So like, I'm just gonna try not to mix with too many people before I go home. Do you know, I will go to Birmingham because I don't want to put them at any risk. I'm also gonna test, get get myself tested as well because like my, my it's more for my parents. I mean, it's for everyone else in the household but it's for them more than anything. So 
I'm going to, I'll go, I'll, I mean, I'll be very mindful of what's going on, but like, if I, if I do go, I'm just gonna, just, I have to be so careful for them. Yeah. Elaine, what are your plans for? I'm going to do Christmas. Because the only plan that I was debating um, was maybe to go to Ghana. And the only reason I'm not going to Ghana is not, is because of the fact um, it's too expensive. to come back. No, I'll, I'll be able to come back, but it's too expensive. Yeah. yeah. And I'll take my last question. In the moment. Um, everything, uh, it, it was looking like well over a grand um, yep. last time I was I checked. And that's before I get my visa. And so um, I, I've got two things that I could be doing in Ghana. That would be wicked. Um, mm-hmm. Two people. Two things, as in New Year's oh. party and, and um, a wedding. So my cousin's yeah. getting married on the 30th. Um, and so they, those have been my only kind of plans. So now I'm doing Christmas with my sister and uh, my niece. Um, I've got an event to go to next week. And I think it's probably gonna be a bit more hairy for some of the plans I've got in January. Um, mm. Cause I think Depends on how this goes, we might end up not being able to do stuff in January. Rather, I think we're going to have a lockdown. Yeah. Are you sure what your plans and has COVID affected them? Uh, well, I'm working a Christmas party for 90 people with tables of 12 and 11 tomorrow night. So I basically, I fully expect to have COVID by um, Christmas. I literally do. We've got a wedding of 125 people on Sunday, wedding of 80 people on Saturday, two weddings on the 22nd and the 23rd. Literally, if I don't have COVID by Christmas Eve, I will be very surprised. Well, let's not put that out. With the rate of um, infection, I am going to remain COVID free uh, in that time. But aside from that, I'm going away for Christmas. And then just praying that um, we're not locked down for my 40th birthday party, oh, which man. I feel like is kind of because I feel like they're not going to lock down for Christmas, are they? Because they've said they're not going to and they can't because they had a Christmas party. Last but did year. they not say that last year? No, it was different. Yeah, Sage have said that they, um, they recommend a minimum 10 day circuit breaker, haven't they? Like now, like right now, not next week, not blah, blah. Sage has said, right now um but if they don't do it before christmas it will definitely literally be a boxing day announcement i think it'll be really quick i don't know what everyone else thinks i, I think, think they're not going to do it they can't do it they can't dare do it it's I just think- many parties they've had they've broken too many rules themselves yeah. if they dare to do it this year this might actually because for the first time bloody Keir Starmer actually went ahead in the polls over the Christmas parties because you know this is Britain and God forbid we lost half our civil liberties but God forbid that anyone messes with their disgusting stinking sprouts uh, on Christmas photocopying which smell like they were boiled in fairy liquid or taste like I don't know actually talking about that I want to speak about something else quickly Uh, this has been brought up online a lot this week and it's something that we ask and not Elaine because she has no white friends but the rest of us will always have a white friend who will go so what do you lot eat on Christmas Ben? Not me obviously because my white friends are posh and they're like ooh what does one eat on Christmas? Um, So what does one eat on Christmas Day? Um, Do you do a traditional African or Caribbean or or do you mix it with English? What do you do for Christmas Day? 
Okay, so resident non-white brain person. Um, so I, now that my mom's not in England anymore, Christmas is a bit of a free for all. Um, there will always be some form of animal flesh and fish. So um, this year we're going to be having Pusan because there's no point in getting turkey because who the hell likes turkey? No one. Um, I like turkey. I, I like turkey. Louise, we've already established a lot of times about you, so it's cool. <laughs> I love Can I just say, I'm just having, I'm, okay, so I'm just saying, I'm no, going to. Because we have so much to get in. Like, Elaine, what are you eating? Are yeah. you. Pusan and lobster and various other things. I might have a bit of jollof. I'm going to add some macaroni, cheese. There'll be some salad. I'm not sure about dessert yet. And I'm not sure about starters because it's just me and my sister, Renice. Now, do you ever do roast potatoes or Yorkshire puddings or anything like that? Okay, so um, I did not know what a Yorkshire pudding was for a very long time. I thought it was wow. like a dessert. I did wow. not understand because like I used to read about these things in books. And then I went to my friend's house in school and she Ooh, gave me this she had a white friend. Yeah. And they gave me this thing that looked like a potato that was deflated. And they had <laughs> and I was like, oh, what is that? And I was like, it's a Yorkshire pudding. Pudding means dessert. Pudding means sweet. And why am I eating the sweet thing next to like it was lamb or beef or something? And I was like, oh, it tastes really nice with the gravy. It just tastes like Ooh, no. But you we have salsa pudding, which isn't a dessert. But then we were colonized and taken there are a few other like um, steak and kidneys for your Christmas. Uh, well, see, my dad's mum's English, so we've actually always have literally the whole shebang. And it's, except for the gravy, which is obviously banging because my mum makes it, um, it's pretty much. But we do, um, and we literally have prawn cocktail and smoked salmon to start with. And we literally have roast potatoes and dripping for the domains. Uh, yeah. Huh? What's dripping? It's the juice that comes off the juice. It's a deceitful kind of fat. That it's not, like, like if you roast a chicken. It looks like honey. When I was at school, they offered us bread. I was at boarding school, obviously. They gave us bread and dripping. And me, with my far self, looked at that thing. I thought, oh, that's honey. And I slapped loads of it on. And when I bit into that nasty ass mess, and they made me eat every single mouthful of it, it's disgusting. You went to Mallory Towers. In the sense of dripping, it's literally just the stuff that if you make, you know, you put in gravy, it's the meat juice, and it tastes good. I don't know why it's a bad thing. Literally, I had a sandwich the other day, and I literally used the the dripping is butter, swapped it out, yeah. tastier butter, meat butter, if you will. Yeah. But um, it is seasoned. And if I went to my mum's mum's house, we would have had, she would have had like a lamb. She would yeah. have done a bit of turkey. She might have done fried chicken as well. She would have done rice and peas. She would have had, you know, so there was, yeah, that would have been what my Jamaican grandma would do. We always would have jollof as well. Yeah, like, think, yeah you got to have rice, or some rice rice somewhere. Yeah. What do, you have to do? what do you guys do? Okay, so my family is very mixed. So my sister-in-law is she's white, so she and she's a vegetarian. So like sometimes she makes they have a nut roast and it's actually really nice. Um, my brother-in-law is Indian but Jamaican, so like you know he has he has his rice and peas. Like he'll make fish, you know, chicken, you know, jerk chicken or or whatever. Then there's also the African side, so there will definitely be some jollof in there, like, you know, there will be stew. So it's just just a lot. I mean, there'll definitely be salad and stuff. 
my sister likes cheese. I don't know what, I mean, the thing is the cheese, she makes the cheese gives her a headache and makes her itch, but she will still eat it. So I, you know. I think it's important to like hold on to the traditions. Cause I remember when my kids didn't want to have rice and peas on, on Christmas day anymore. And I was really upset about it actually. I was really mm. upset. Cause I was like, it's all gonna die out. It's all gonna die out. Like, I think it's important to keep our traditions alive. So Christmas dinner to me is like your best meal that you could prepare. So obviously, um, and it's like a gathering and expression of love is like, um, and so that all your best Sunday dinner if your family eats Sunday dinner. And so I don't, I, I truly cannot understand why you would trade, I mean, to me, like if you wanted to have um, chicken tikka masala on a Sunday, or if you wanted to go on Christmas day or around where I live, the chicken shop is open. If that's really what you want to have for Christmas dinner, that's your business. But I don't think that you should um, discard things just because you think that what we may may or may not eat is backwards because before people used to dash away potatoes and feed it to the pigs. And so what says that a potato is better than rice or fufu? If someone wants to be for Christmas, Louise, be quiet. <laughs> or if someone wanted to have yam or ackee and saltfish. Sorry, or... I have to cut in there, Louise. What was that you just did when you heard fufu? Oh, I hate it. I don't like fufu. I'm sorry. No, okay. No, let me let me actually let me let me clarify this. So you know that there's the one that you put in the 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 farina one that you get in a box. Yeah. I hate that one. I don't, I like proper. You like the pounded? Okay, cool. Yeah. In Barbados, it's the most nasty ass, disgusting, revolting, biggest like, trick ever played on anybody in their entire I like cuckoo. nasty yellow shit that looks like it should be done to bloody put build walls and stick bricks together. It's disgusting, oh. and I said it. So cuckoo is like, for the people who aren't aware of our culinary delights from across the African and Caribbean diaspora, it's a bit like polenta for our Italian friends. But it's made like, it's made with the same thing as polenta, which is some corn flour, I believe. And and they serve it with okra chopped in. And sometimes people have it with liver in it and sometimes they might have fish in it but it comes like from food banku and all those kind of things mm. that's all right i liked it when i was in a bajan man oh for huh? god's sake <laughs> we'll come on to that later actually we were gonna move on aisha were you gonna say something about it was just on the potatoes and rice thing like i've always tried to explain to white people that i feel about rice or how they feel about potatoes like i have rice 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 rice, rice. i don't if, what's your favorite carb rice I choose rice over bread any day of the week. It's always rice over everything. I don't Literally. know how anyone could choose a potato over rice. It makes. I love rice. I love rice. I love it in all its manifestations. And it doesn't have to be West Indian rice. I love Indian rice. It's African rice. It's just rice. But the weird thing is, this is where you see racism. White people just don't understand it. They literally don't understand how we love rice. I just like, you know, you know what the problem is, The rice goes against the grain. Oh. <laughs> That will be on their Twitter feed tomorrow for those who missed it. Look at that. Just <laughs> sorry. I love Just it. Thinking Louise yeah. is gonna be sorry. a warm-up. We were gonna talk about it later, but since you got into dating a Bajan man, like I was having this conversation with somebody this week, right? Yeah. I don't think I can go out with 
an African guy, you'd be happy. There's 54 countries I don't care. in Africa. When you're, listen, and I'm going to get rinsed. Like, I remember when I was telling um, my ex that you could fit Barbados into my mom's hometown. You can't tell me that you can go across the whole of the Caribbean and that there's 30 million people in Ghana, plus our descendants, but you can't find one. And that there's all those people in Nigeria that you can't find one. What about East African or North African or a South African? What about one of those, those guys who do the, what's that job that I did? Kazumba. These guys. I was told by Congolese women don't even go near those monsters. Oh, or an like, oh, oh, nobody on earth can move like a Congolese man. That's no. wrong with I... them. Don't trust them. I was told, don't go near them. They are the You see, the problem is Nigerian guys carry the reputation. But because they carry the there's other ones sliding in that people are not noticing because you're spending all your time, like the British government, concentrating on Nigerians. They are, they... They're not the only ones. I don't know. Maybe I can't get on with men at all. But I was going to say, Ava, is this just African men? I find, I'm being serious now. I find culturally, I can't, it it doesn't work for me. doesn't work. Do you think, you know what you were saying about how the the way that they represent, because I mean, I don't, I've dated Nigeria. And to be fair, one, one that I dated, I nearly married him, but it, it, you know, it just, we ended up he was just too different but he was actually a really really good guy he was actually a really good guy but I just wonder whether that's what I'm saying he did like too different in what way well he was just um he he was just a very nice guy he was just a very nice but I mean the thing is I think I, I was just too young I was only 21 and like the thing is it's just like he he was a bit older than me. He was like seven years older than me. And I think it was just that thing of like, okay, well, I am I like to do things. I don't like to sit at home, but like he would have just been happy just sitting at home, just not doing anything. And he was sweet, but it just, that just wasn't for me. But I mean, I just wonder whether sometimes um, it's to do with, you know, like some are dodgy, but then I think you get dodgy, you get dodgy across the board. You get, I mean, you know, if I if I tell you some but I'm just being more serious now. Do you think mm. cultural differences are going to be too much between somebody of uh, African heritage, whatever country that might be from, and people from Caribbean heritage? No. Well, I mean, look, my sister is married to Caribbean. Well, he's Indian Caribbean, but she's those to be married for what 25 years. I, I mean, yes, you're going to get the cultural different differences. You will, but I mean, I think sometimes. it's it's tricky because like sometimes it just won't work and then sometimes it just will but I mean I think it does come sometimes it does come down to the individual because I mean you know I remember I remember like growing up and stuff in in Nottingham I I was told like you know you're not supposed to hang out with Caribbean people because they're this they're that they're the others but I mean I just thought to myself well, no, I mean, it was, it was, I was, heard, I heard it from our community and stuff. I mean, the, the best one, the best one I heard was, oh, like, you know, you don't look at how they're getting pregnant. And I'm just like, for God's sake, you know, like, if my mum didn't get pregnant, I wouldn't be here. You know what I mean? So it's just that kind of, like, you know, stereotyping. But you've got to think to yourself, well, where are these stereotypes coming from? Do you know what I mean? And I think a lot of it comes from the media. Yes, I think, you know, like, we have our particular experiences, but it might be just good to kind of look at, okay, 
what, 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 you know, like these externalities, how is that shaping the way that we think as well? Do you know, I mean, I, I think that might be part of the thing, but personal experience also plays a thing. I think it also comes down to the individuals. So um, for myself, I would say, but I think it can work. I think that when you're talking about cultural differences, there are cultural differences, and I will go back again, like, when you're looking even within the African con um, continent, yes, there we are, you can talk about Pan-Africans and all of this, but Ghanaian cultures, there is not a Ghan, there are Ghanaian similarities, but even between ourselves, there are differences between the different um, ethnic groups. So you've got the Evers who are towards the coast, and like myself and Louise, are, we are Akanda or Ashantis. In Ghana, we don't necessarily get on. Um, but we also do get on. So there might, there might um, from a familial perspective, um, if I was to bring home a, or if someone was to bring me home and they came from a different tribe within Ghana, there might be as many issues as there might be if I was to bring home somebody who was Nigerian or if I was to bring home somebody who was from the Caribbean. Um, and so, and I think as long as you respect each other and you respect the fact that you have got similarities and have got differences, because I think most, in terms of my long-term relationships, they have all been with people who've been um, from the Caribbean, but it's not because they're from the Caribbean that it didn't work out. Um, they it, are. It's, it just so happens that they were um, from the Caribbean. Um, I think it will work out if you're respectful in the same way that um, I know I had one friend who was engaged, well, actually, I won't go into that. I knew, I knew somebody who was engaged to somebody who came from a different um, country within Africa, from East Africa. And she was like, if they were to get married, I wouldn't want his family to wear, wear African hats. His culture didn't wear African hats. She made him get it. Now, if you don't even know what, what about his cultural attire, then obviously that shows you're not interested in the same way that I'm not, a religious person so if somebody was to if I was to get together with somebody who was like a staunch Christian or somebody who was a staunch Muslim or somebody who was a staunch anything it's very unlikely to work because fundamentally we've got some um, um some issues um but yeah I don't and I, I didn't have that experience of being told not to bring back anybody from um anywhere which isn't black. I mean, I, I just, I just, can I just add to that? Sorry, I'll, I'll just shut up in a minute, but I mean, just a couple of things from what you were saying. So, you know, I, I as I say, I mean, I was actually told not, you know, don't bring this person back, don't bring this person, that and stuff. I mean, I was with a Nigerian guy for seven years and stuff like that. And then like, you know, what happened was I heard through another one of my cousins that like apparently my dad had had a long conversation with one of my cousins telling her to tell me that I should stop going out with I mean I stopped going out with him but not I, you you can't tell me what to do do you know what I mean I stopped going out with him because I didn't want to but I mean the thing is Elaine what you were saying about I, I think you know like it's like you're saying it's, it comes down to the individuals and how they get on with each other and the third thing is is that sometimes even if you come from the same tribe like if they do not like your family, because I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen. If they do not like your family, you will <laughs> forget it. Yes. Forget it. So I, 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 yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, 
yeah, I think it comes down, there's too many factors. I was going to say, even like with the tribe that we might even ask about the clan, it gets to, um, the clan that you might come from, actually, it's a bit too much. Um, but I know, um, like, from your perspective, Aisha, you said you haven't. I can't believe it when there are so many of us. You're on mute. Aisha. Yeah, no, um, never. Um, no. Caribbean or British Caribbean men, only. not even British African guys, no. Okay. Is it is what what? Oh, sorry. Not for one of you know no no. I've swiped right on them. You know. <laughs> swiped left on your yellow ass. <laughs> they did. They swiped left on my yellow ass. Or is that thing we were talking about? Oh, she must. She looks like the kind of girl that only goes out with white guys or what? Or too wild? I don't know. I don't know what they're looking for. But whatever I am, I am not um, good wife material. Evidently. <laughs> I mean, I think that's that that can be a problem though, because I think sometimes I I'm mean, sure I know, they might have slept with me, but I don't think they would ever bring me home to their mother. But I mean, I think this is the problem. This can be the problem, but again, this kind of runs across the thing because I think sometimes some people have got very idealized um, uh, views about what a woman should and shouldn't be and stuff like that. I mean, I'm I'm kind of the same as you. I'm, I'm, and the thing is, it's not even just African men. I think men some men just don't like me because it's just because I don't look or act in a way that you know in a feminine way you know like I, I laugh you know like I, my hair's got zigzag you know it just just yeah I'm, I think I'm just a bit too much for some of them and it's fine you no, know, I'm, fine. I'm joking around like I've, I've got a, a Nigerian kid for god's sake but I just think I don't think it's just it was just a conversation that I had week mm. with somebody who was just like Maybe you just don't get on with Nigerian guys. And I'm like, I just don't think I get on with guys. I think it takes a really strong guy to be around me. Really, very, very, very strong and very, very secure guy. And there's not that many out of them, like across the board. Because you can say, I don't get on with Jamaican guys either, uh, after a little bit. I don't get on with Dominican guys either. I don't get on with Beijing guys either. I just don't get on with men, full stop. So, you know, the question, but I wanted to put it to you guys to see. If you guys thought it, because she thought it was a cultural thing, I'm like, I don't think it's a cultural thing. I think it's just, it, it, to be with me, you have to be beyond beyond secure and beyond strong. And that is not many men. Many men's masculinity is so fragile that it, they just can't handle it. And I could see why men like Louise as well. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. From our conversations and stuff. Do you, for the same mm -hmm. similar reasons, they don't particularly like me after a little yeah. while when you it's really hard really really hard to maintain but um, I mean I think, oh sorry I just wanted to say one thing because I mean the thing about fragile masculinity I think that's that's very much the case and again I'm like, sorry I'm just going to put my sociological hat on again but I think and and it's not an excuse but I think you know like there's that whole idea of like being a hegemonic masculinity isn't it about being the archetypal male you know like being able to go out to work you know being fit you know, and, and like, you know, not showing your emotions and everything. But I think the, the pressure to be all of those things means that for some, not all, but for some, you know, like emotionally, some of them are a bit, they don't know how to cope with things emotionally. So when you have a strong woman who sort of like comes up and, you know, she's doing her own thing and all this, that and the other, because I haven't been out with men like that and, and I haven't been able to last the relationship, you know, I, I mean, I remember, I don't want to say too much, but I do remember being in one situation where the guy just turned around to me and said that he could see me as an African woman just being 
you know, like getting to the age of 25 and just being like a lot of other African people. And like, you know, he wouldn't, you know, like he'd feel low. He actually came out and said this. He said that he'd feel low about himself and stuff like that. And he wouldn't be able to be with. And the thing is, that just shows to me that I don't want to generalize because I do not think because, you, you know, I don't think that all people are like this. This is just him. This is just his prejudices coming across. But he had his, and the thing, it goes back to my point about stereotyping. The stereotyping comes from both sides. He had stereotypes about me. You know, like Africans, we have stereotypes about African Caribbean, and I don't think it serves any purpose. But unfortunately, he had them, he brought them into the relationship. You know, it, it can be very emotionally draining. And I just think to myself, it is more about them. They haven't sorted themselves out, you know. It's and it's and if a man can't handle or a man, or if you're in a relationship with a woman or whatever, if they cannot handle who you are, it is more about them than it is about you. And after that little sermon. Can I just ask one quick question? Um, do you think that obviously I always feel like I'm the only Londoner here? So do you think that maybe it's because you didn't necessarily grow up in like as diverse a places as like say myself, but that might also play parts into it too, because you're, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the word. Oh, the pool I was limited. The pool. The the only other there were no black guys to fancy. I mean, I, I'm not in my school. I'm not in my groups of friends. There was like one black boy in my year at school. In, that was in the town I used to live in, right? Reading? Yeah. Yeah, not yeah. in the whole of Reading. Reading's quite diverse, but the area which we lived in and the schools that we went to were not diverse. Okay. In yeah. boarding school, you're going to meet uh, you're going to meet West African kids for the most part. The only other black kids you meet, we I don't I think I might have met one, actually two Caribbean sisters who actually live where I live now, um, at boarding school. And apart from that, I've never been to boarding school with any other Caribbean person at all so all the kids were either mostly Nigerian and then there was a few Ghanaians and then obviously we would play matches like a netball match hockey match against other boarding schools and there'd be invariably two or three black people on the other side and they were always we'd always talk with each other and they were always of African heritage but we're getting away a little bit because I think what Louise said is really important and it's about mm. about masculinity and toxic masculinity and mm person who was amazing at speaking about that was bell hooks and she yeah. went and joined the ancestors and actually the, probably the only decent men that i know are men that read bell hooks and she was really really um she was really interested in improving like the community across the board so it was never ever a lot of black men don't like her because of some of the things that she said but she was always always talking about healing black men and, and loving people and, you know, being in relationships and stuff like that. Um, and that was, men were, were quite, funnily enough, hold on a second, stop. Men were so um, central to her work, to her type of feminism, which I would really call womanism. Mm -hmm. I mean, did any of you guys ever read any bell hooks? Yeah. Um, so I read a bit of Ain't I a Woman, but then also she talked about postmodern blackness. So I'm actually using that in a paper that I'm writing at the moment. And I liked what she said in that because she was just kind of talking about, again, I think we talked about it a little bit on this channel, 
but like you know she talked about what it means to be black and you know she was uh, how she was saying how you know with the civil rights movement for a start you know they tended to sort of like focus particularly on the kind of male the black african-american male thing and it was very very homogenous because they had very specific ideas about what it meant to be black but then like you know a couple of years later when you've got sort of like hip-hop movements and, and stuff like that they began to deconstruct it through um, popular culture and then there was another one that she wrote and I can't remember but she she kind of talked about the intersection between like you know race and class and she was saying how like you know with some black people like and, and I think you know you get that across the board but I think in America because race there's crossovers between what we experience here in race but in America it's a, it's a different kind of race and you know people have very particular ideas about what it means to be black and like she was just saying how like you know if you're black and you've grown up in a kind of like suburban middle-class neighborhood it doesn't mean to say that you're not black you're just a different kind of black you know what I mean and it doesn't make you any less black but unfortunately the way society sees it and you, you're to, to she didn't use these words but like you know basically they'd be seen as bougie and marginalized and stuff like that so I found that really really interesting I found it very inspiring and you know you are right that a lot of black men didn't like what she said and stuff I mean and I think it just goes back to that fragile masculinity because if they read it if they try to engage on it it's not like she's being critical of them she's just highlighting okay this is an issue you know this is how we have to solve it this is the origins of the issue but I think people took it as an attack they took it as an attack and which is a real crying shame but you know and it's sad that she she's what only 69 that's nothing man 69 is nothing yeah i think she was um she she influenced pretty much a lot of the modern like kimberly crenshaw um, yeah, intersectionality yeah. she influ influenced so many sort of black feminists modern black feminists that we, mm -hmm. we today I just wonder if when she'd first started, if she'd, if Twitter had been out when she first started, would she have been able to even do it? Do you know what I mean? To do her work or she would just not have been able to be on it. Because I remember reading, like Alice Walker is another person as well. Yeah. I don't even think the colour purple would be made if Twitter was out. Because the way those black men carry on about those women and their work is just, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But the black men, who I know who've read Bell Hooks are so grateful to her, really, really grateful to her. And I saw like a lot of um, outpouring of grief of, you know, people like Cornell West who have debated yeah. her. And oh God, what's that really cute one called? Mark Lamont something? Mark Lamont Hill? Yeah, that one, that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Elaine, did she influence you at all? Yes, yeah, so I have read Ain't I a Woman a couple of times, and I've also read Memories of a Black, um, Memories of Girlhood, which is um, her memoir. Um, when I was at uni, I so I did I did law for university at university, and one of my modules I did in my third year was Gender and the Law. And so during, when we did Gender and the Law, we studied feminism all the way through. So that was like my first introduction to her after the second wave of, and that obviously that she came into being after the second wave of feminism. So it was really interesting um, being taught about um, black feminism or womanism as it came to be called. Um, 
in the in the mighty spires of Bristol, and and so I was really saddened to hear that she passed um, yesterday, and the fact that her impact seemed um, it. Uh, impact seemed to like basically cover my timeline on Twitter yesterday, um, and it, like there were some tweets that made me laugh, and like there was something that you tweeted yesterday that also made me laugh. Where there are a lot of people who were pouring adulation over her, but managed to get spell her name incorrectly by just sliding the B and the H. Yeah. <laughs> integral to what she was about and what she said yeah. she spelt her name with lowercase letters yeah. and i've seen some people go oh the fuss over her name is performative it's not it's bell hooks 101 yeah. you don't like bell hooks with any uppercase letters how can people not know that i'm know. sorry this guy came onto my timeline do you know what yeah i don't have a personal twitter anymore and it, all i've got is the black woman's hour one and I really don't like to cause any trouble on it. No, if don't. My personal, <laughs> personal Twitter feed, and he'd come with me about, oh, you must give them grace in whatever. I just thought, you know, grace your freaking hair with a comb. Don't come to me with any nonsense. With your, like, I just thought, you know what, I don't say anything because I, I cannot, I cannot be bothered to be in any Twitter spats at all. But no, no. honestly, like, how could you not know this? No, no. <laughs> And I don't think it's performative to point it out. No. Like, trying to say, oh, you got to listen, you know, these people don't know any better. Basically, you know, accuse me of some type of snobbery or whatever. But it's not about that. Anyone who's read her, it's Bell Hooks 101, you know that. I don't know. Well, I think it was shocking with her death as well. I think with Toni Morrison, we were able to prepare a little bit. With Maya Angelou, we were able to prepare a little bit. Yeah. Man, that came out of nowhere. I had to keep rereading re re that, going, that's mm. got to be a mistake. That absolutely has to be a mistake. Yeah. I mean, it is, I, I'll tell you another one who sort of shocked me a bit as well. You know, like Bocci Emma Chetta. Is it melted? Um, Chetta, and she yeah. passed away a few years ago. She did, but I mean, she did. I actually, I knew her son. Sorry. What ringtone is that? This, this is some mad one. I'm just going to switch off the phone because. Yes. Oh, anyway, um, yeah, that that one that one shocked me a bit because like my friend knows, you know, she knew her really well. Oh wow. Um, I know her son as well. I know her son, her son Sylvester, and so like they had a um, a memory at the memorial thing. So I kind of went to give her paper. Her son invited me to give a paper, but that was a shock because that. I kind of, that, I don't know, I think for me, that was my first sort of like foray into feminism. That was my, for, my that was, you know, like reading it from an African um, feminist. And it was just by pure accident that I'd even sort of like got into her work. But that, that was that was like really shocked. Because, you know, sometimes when you just get that feeling that like, oh, I should look this person up. And then um, I looked it up and then, you know, like they said that she'd passed and I was like, oh my God. You know, like this is really, really bad. This is really shocking. But I just had this thing to look her up, and I did look her up, and she'd gone. And you know, it's kind of it's, it's crap. But anyway, her son came here. He's a really nice guy. And but yeah. Did you want to add anything before we moved on? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So she's now transcended and uh, transitioned. Mm -hmm. She's with the ancestors now. I think it was an awful shock, and I just think it should remind people to you better hold the ice cream tub properly. 
<laughs> should um, remind people to hold the ice cream tub. It should remind people just to give people their flowers while they're here. Yeah. I think so often. I mean, I think the people were so really. Remember when she called Beyonce a terrorist? Oh, good lord! And uh, she explained what she meant about it, but the disrespect that Kate. Do you understand what I mean? I think there's so many people who don't understand her legacy. I think one of the really important things to watch, and I posted it yesterday, um, was her in discussion with Laverne Cox. Mm -hmm. And I think it's particular, particularly pertinent to watch it now, simply because of what trans people are going through, yeah. um, you know, in society. And JK Rowling did another tweet this week, which just brought out more trans hate. So I found that conversation to be illuminating. I found it to be brilliant. And I like really like the way they learned from each other. And Bell Hooks was quite critical of Laverne Cox being a trans woman wearing blonde weave. Mm -hmm. And the Bangkok was giving her reason why, as a trans woman, she might want to be uber feminine. And I just thought it was a really great discussion. Anyone who doesn't know, the Bangkok's also got a twin uh, brother who was also in the audience who asked. I just thought it was a really, really good discussion. So I would recommend that people go and watch that. Um, so we spoke. You're not okay, are you? People, the girls really come into play now, cartoons now, you know. Um, so, sorry, so anyone had anything else to add or anything you think anyone should read from Bell Hooks? I, I definitely think that, um, and like when I had to do my list for work, I did put Ain't I a Woman on the list when they were asking me how to be, you know, how to be an ally, read this. And the list that where they tried to take everything off your list. <laughs> how to be an ally, please Elaine, black woman, tell us what to read. Oh, why don't you read that? Yeah, we don't want to read that one. We'll decide on your list. Thank you very much. Well, what the hell did you ask me for? Um, so we spoke about our Christmas plans earlier as well. Um, and we spoke about last year. Now, everybody has been up in arms because the Tories, Downing Street had plenty of parties and people are very annoyed because they were keeping the rules um, last year. So... The police had originally said that they were not going to investigate. You're going to have to keep still. They were not going to investigate uh, the part that happened in Downing Street last year because there was no evidence, obviously missing out the fact that police are supposed to gather evidence. Then they said they couldn't uh, investigate car crimes retrospectively, which was very much, you know, you've got to get off my bed. Go on, get off. Um, get off because you just keep rocking everything. Thank you. So basically, um, they said they can't investigate crimes retrospectively, which everyone's like, that's how you investigate crimes. This is not minority report. You cannot just go out and arrest people before they've done the crime done it to black people. Um, but there was one party that was revealed that was thrown by Sean Bailey. The people yeah. who don't know Sean Bailey, we have spoken about him on the show before. He was the conservative mayoral candidate for London. And... Um, He's the Conservative mayoral candidate for London. Uh, he's a black man of um, of Jamaican heritage. You just flicked ice cream at me. I don't know who you think you are. You <laughs> Is this all getting edited, Emma? Yeah, what? Is this all getting edited out? No, it's not, because I'm a working mum and this is what people have to see. This is what we do. Um, so, uh, stop it. <laughs> so, um, Sean Bailey. I need to stop laughing then. 
Um, a mayoral candidate. I will put the ice cream down the toilet if you don't stop. How Watch and see. So, um, yes, Sean Bay to a party, which was quite interesting. So he was he was actually the only black person at his own party, wasn't he? It was. Yeah. The politics were quite something. Yes, they were. Yeah. The food and the guests, everything. Yeah. And what was the food? It looked like um something that Fanny Craddock would have made. Or, you know, in that yeah. episode of Faulty Towers where he goes to get the duck and it's in this thing and it's got all this stuff like piped all over it and it just looks absolutely horrendous. That's what the food looked like. It didn't look like real food. It looked like you know, a wonderful Christmas dinner to me. It looked like, you know, I mentioned like the, the sprouts they have that taste like they've been boiled in fairy liquid water. And it looked like that real, plain disgust you know you have jamaican heritage i don't actually know many white people who eat you tasted jamaican food and don't like it i think i I do feel like obviously it's, it's very interesting that two people have now gone because of um parties or mocking the fact that there were parties that took place last year when the city that I reside in, that Louise resides in, was definitely on lockdown. Even if the rest of the country, because last year that was when we were doing that weird tiering where depending on what part of the road you were on, one part might be in tier one and across the road might be in tier three. Um, but London was definitely, and in zone one, zone one, it was definitely in tier three. Um, and last Christmas was really, really depressing. Very, a very. lot of people. Um, I was supposed to go um, out town. I was worried that if I left London, that I might get stopped by the police on the ring road or fined because obviously they've got those cameras that if you come into London, you can get fined for the right car. So I wasn't sure what they might be doing. And when you've got the people who are running the country and running our city, even if they are the mayor. Well, you're still running the city because you're part of the London Assembly and you're partying, but at the same time, telling the police, because both of them would be telling the Metropolitan Police to basically go and raid parties and do all kinds of things. It's not cool. And I think ultimately, um, the sperm donor of the United Kingdom really does need to like um, um, fall on it's all for this one and I don't it's it's really strange because it's now be I think it's been two or three weeks now of this party thing and he's still there and he's still holding on tight with his job and like he's not even had his paternity leave and but Sean Bailey has had to step down the other woman another guy was it another black guy that's gone no, I was, I was thinking about Allegra with her tears, with um, the, the, with the tears. Um, so she was mocking, well, when she was doing a mock press conference about the series of parties that happened. She was a mock pre- press conference because yeah. she was everybody and laughing about it. Yeah, but, um, and, 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 but, but the fact is that you had a party in your house, drum, yard, however you want to describe it, a gathering, a tea party, whatever, all of these people who came around and and there were several and you're still there and you're telling us what we can and can't do. And 
like Sean May, like in theory, he should get fined or whoever ran the party because it wasn't him who ran it. It was his aides that ran it on his behalf. And he just passed through to say thank you, posed, took a picture. Um, and he's very sorry and that's why he's left. Those are his words, not mine. Um, and our illustrious leader is still... I think it's one rule for them and one rule for us. It is. That's what really has annoyed people. But what mm. I found really interesting, like just from, you know, Black Women's Hour perspective is, that's the black man that went. Mm -hmm. you understand what I mean? And this is a black man who has upheld white supremacy for a long time and has upheld uh, conservative party values and stuff like that. And and the Tories are very uh, open and blatant about, uh, you know, we, we champion diversity. We've got way more people, mm. you know, black and brown faces in positions of power than Labour ever have, you know, and they really like to push that, that this is going to be the new party for black and brown people. So a lot of black and brown people have gone, well, hold on a second. He wasn't the only one doing it. How come he is the only one who's been exposed? And basically, you know, what do you think that, do you think this is what it's going to be like as a black and brown Tory? Do you know what I mean? Do you think that when they are looking to blame somebody, they can champion you and they can push you right to the front of photos as much as they want. But when the chips are down and the hits the fan, look who's gone, it's you, black man. I mean, I think sometimes when it comes to things like that, people, they um, it's, it's almost like that poem, isn't it? First they came for whoever. And I think sometimes people think, oh, this can never happen to them. And they think that they're immune. They're immune. It's very interesting, though, because there was a really, um, there was a documentary, and I think it was about David Cameron, and the said person was actually in it. And he was just saying how, you know, when you go to conference, you have to do as you're told, blah, 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 blah. So again, sort of like towing the line. But then in, in a situation like this, where he's clearly not towing the line, and that, so effectively, he was there saying, you have to behave, otherwise you're going to get kicked out of it. And then here you are doing this, and then you're not behaving and stuff like that. So that was a bit tricky. I mean, in terms of personally, how I felt about that, I was just, I was actually really quite upset because last Christmas, I couldn't go home. I spent, I, you know, like I'll see my family on Zoom. Okay. I was on, I was on, and I was actually really, I was depressed. I was depressed. I was in, I was in my bed that Christmas. And, you know, like my, my, I, I mean, my brother-in-law did actually say, oh, like, do you want me to come down and get you and all this? And the other, same as Elaine. I just thought, no, I don't want to get into trouble and I don't want to get him into trouble. I saw that tweet that he put out. Mm. He put out that tweet and stuff. And, and I'm just like, come on. And I think the thing is, to be honest, his position was untenable. It was untenable because, like, that picture was just very, very telling. Why? So I don't think he had much choice. Untenable and Johnson's isn't. I mean... As black women, do we feel any mercy or pity for Sean Bailey? Do you feel like, hold on a second, now come on. Why has the black guy got to be the one to go? Or do you feel like I feel, which I don't care? I don't care, he deserves it. You sign yourself up, you enable the policies 
you knew the people that you got into bed with, you knew what they were about. In 2013, whatever, you were calling them racist yourself after David Cameron dashed you to the side. You went back in with them. What did you think was going to happen? It's like, you know, leopard eats my face, said the woman who shoved her face in the leopard's mouth. You know, what the hell? I don't feel sorry for him, but I saw some black people who did feel sorry for him. Did anybody? I can't, the, the reason why I, I don't, I wouldn't say that I feel sorry for him, but I can, I, I feel sorry for anybody who's in that position, not necessarily him um, particularly. And the reason why is that when you say, if the party, obviously the leader of the party is Johnson. The leader of the party is also the prime minister. The prime minister has been throwing these parties. We don't know who else has been going to all of these parties. Then, um, um, Sean Bailey's party was thrown by a conservative central, whatever it's called. Um, because, so did he actually throw that party or was it the conservatives who threw it for him and as he said? So either which way, the entire party machine is at fault and you've had, was it education where the person was able to apologise and keep their job? You've had the um, prime minister who doesn't know what's going on in his house. And then you've got Sean Bailey who stepped down. So maybe it actually shows that he's actually, did he resign of his own volition or was he? And if he, if he resigned out of his own volition, then maybe he's actually got a modicum of integrity that I didn't think that he actually possessed. But it says to me a lot more about the people who, the rest of them are ourselves. No, I hear what you're saying, Elaine, and I, I hear you. But then on the other hand, like we all have human agency. He didn't have to go. He didn't have to go. Why Why was he? I mean, if it's not his party, he didn't have to go. Like, the, the, it's the same way. It's the, I'm sorry, but it's the same way that, like, I didn't, I, I could have gone home, but I knew the risk, so I didn't go. You could have, you could have gone to, you you know, you could have gone to your sister or whoever, wherever it is that you was going to go, but you didn't go. My you know, was driving to me mm -hmm. and would call, and then literally in the middle of driving to me, had to turn around and go back so that he could get back to where he needed to be. So I, I don't, he, again, it's also I necessary to point on him again, because I, I do think it's funny. Why do you but think he's got integrity? Has he ever acted with integrity? No, but what I mean is the integrity for stepping down. Not, yes, but, but has he never acted as though he's got integrity before? Do you not think that he was probably told, listen, mate, you better just take the fall for this? I don't believe he's got any integrity right. at all. I just think that at the end of the day, if you like, if you do what he's done for years and years and years, which is essentially sell black people, you know, and, and use his own colour to hurt us and just for his own pure self-interest, because it isn't to advance black people, it's to advance one black person, him. If you do that for years and years, is one, you are an integrity-free zone. I don't mm. know what the reverse is. You're a malicious, selfish, grifting, insert swear word here. And two, even if he was, did he jump or was he pushed? Even if he was pushed, Sajid Javid style, he'll be back. This is always done with a, if you go now, take the hit now, he'll be back for more self-interest. There is no integrity anywhere in this, no matter how you slice it. Sorry, Elaine. I love I you. Like I'm, trying, I'm, I'm just trying to think about it, like, because obviously I find, I've, I've found the entire situation hilarious. And I do think it yeah. was from, um, if it was a Hollywood film, Obviously, it's the black man dies first, and literally, he is a black man who's gone first, and that's 
that's really sad. But I, I mean, ultimately, I think that the rest, all of them, really need to like. I think you know what Rose Louise because of your uh, weight rose situation. But might sort of bring it home a little bit um when it comes to the Tories. Did everybody see Tan Desai call out Pretty Patel and call out the Tories for just this? So basically, T uh, Tan Desai is uh I think he's Slough. He's the MP for yes. Slough. Yeah, he's a Sikh man. He's called shadow rail minister. And this week he basically was speaking about the uh, you know, the the deportation bill that we were talking about, and uh, which is gonna allow us to be stripped of our colour, which is a racialized bill. And he actually said, you know, it's we're gonna be chucked out because of our ancestral heritage. And you know, and he said, What is even more galling is that the prime minister is getting someone with brown skin colour to do his dirty work with a bill that could have disastrous consequences for black and brown people. No wonder there are accusations of tokenism from within the Asian, African and British communities. What's the point in having black and brown people as cabinet ministers sitting on the conservative front benches if they are going to directly act against the interests of black and brown people just so they can hold ministerial office. I mean, you can't really get any more plain than that. And I, I, I'd be interested to see going forward if uh, Rishi, who's on holiday at the moment, now yeah. we have to compare him to Dominic Raab. So that will be interesting. People are saying that Boris is getting ready to get rid of Priti Patel because she's chucked her hat in to the ring to possibly take over from him as leader. And he said, if he, if he lasts, Apparently, this is just Westminster rumours. He says the first person who's going to go in the reshuffle really? will be Yeah, he said, how dare she? So that'll be interesting. That'll be right. Oh, I don't know. Dash your hat in. <laughs> so we will. That was really packed. We packed loads in. And because uh, Mrs. Uh, Quasi Quarting. Oi! Sorry, sorry, before we go, before <laughs> we go to Waitrose, let me just say this. Can you get this for me from Waitrose? Pardon? Can you I get have a look, me from Waitrose? But let me just say something before we go. Like, Mr. Quating and Dr. Quat. Oh, shit, he's a oh, sorry. I mean, he's, <laughs> I, he's doctor as well, isn't he? Is he? I can tell you where my family come from in Ghana, right? I can tell you. Not everybody can. Okay, and on that note. What do you mean? <laughs> on that note, she's going to wait, Rose. Okay, so we can't do the last game of the year just in case, Louise, because you've got to rush, I know. Lots and lots and lots coming up. We're going to do another end of the year show 
and we're also going to lay out our plans for next year as well. So thank you. Right, bye viewers. Bye. 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 Oh, hold on. Wait, I don't know what I'm doing. Wait. Oh, I just got it.